Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. What a chapter. Oh my goodness. I have uh, been blessed to have been preparing for this message and last week's message for quite some time. And so part of my preparation for preaching is to saturate myself in the passage. And I read it over and over and over. And I can't think of a more powerful chapter to marinate my soul in than Colossians chapter 3. And if you're looking for a passage of scripture to memorize, you need to look no further. Colossians chapter 3 is an amazing chapter. As a matter of fact, when you approach this passage of scripture, you begin to wonder, how in the world can I get this all in one message or even two messages? And you will see that I'm only going to get through verse 17 uh, today. Last week was Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. This week, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Six verses, only six verses today. And there are plenty of other good verses left in this chapter. Last week, the title of the sermon was, What You Should Do. This week, the title of the sermon is, And How You Should Do It. What you should do, last week, and how you should do it this week. Let's read now Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. I am going to ask you to stand out of reverence for the Lord's word. If you would stand, please, as we read Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Just six verses today. Reading from the ESV. But follow along in your translation because I think the truth is going to come through no matter which translation you use. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and Father through him. And so, Lord, whatever we do, we commit to you. And we pray, Lord, that we will do it in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And we thank you for him. We thank you for our lives. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. And to hear what you have to say from us through the preaching of your word. And we pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may remember last week that we talked about being so heavenly minded that you were great earthly good. And we talked about six signs that you are so heavenly minded that you're great earthly good. And then we finished up with a remembrance 
We're to remember three things. We're to, we are to put off the old self and put on the new self. And you may remember that I told you about my hiking boots that finally wore out on the way up to Mount Leconte this last hike that I took and how they were so bad I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to make it down the mountain with them, but I did. And they were in such bad shape that I decided to throw them away and get a new pair. And isn't it interesting that I have not once gone and looked for that old pair of boots. And that's how it is with the old self and the new self. We are to put our old self away and it is to be so far away from our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our consciousness that we wouldn't dream of putting the old self back on. We have a new self. The Apostle Paul wants us to remember that we have a new self. But he also wants us to remember that our minds are being renewed in knowledge according to the one who made us. There's a tendency to think that when we think about the old self and the new self, that it's one and done, that we're never going back. But the reality is we're not completely, fully, totally redeemed yet. It's a process. But here's the good news. Our processor, the one who's leading us in this process, put us together in the first place. He knows us. He knows what we need. And he knows that our minds are to be renewed. So it's a new self. It's a new knowledge. And he also wanted us to remember our new identity. We are in Christ now and everything has changed. We talked about how it doesn't matter whether you're born a Jew or a Greek or an American or a Romanian or a Mexican or an Irishman. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're an adult or a child. If you're a slave or you're a master. And Paul's not encouraging us to deny reality or forget reality about these labels because these labels mark us. They identify us. What he's saying is you have a new label now that is so much more important. It transcends the old labels and makes the old labels fade away in importance. And that is the label of Christian. We are in Christ. And the old labels don't mean nearly as much as they used to. So that was Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. What you should do. And now we're going to talk about and how we should do it. The outline is very simple today. Six verses, six points. Each verse is its own point. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. As I was preparing for this message, I read from the CSB and I like that translation as well. This is the same verse from the CSB. Therefore, because of everything that came before, verses 1 through 11 in Colossians 3, therefore, God's chosen ones, holy in love, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You'll notice that these two translations are very similar. That one word difference there at the beginning, therefore. So this is a summary of everything that's gone before and because of everything that we talked about, the new self, the new knowledge that you're being renewed in, your new identity in Christ, because of all that newness, therefore, get dressed. Paul is saying, get dressed. Here are five fashion tips for getting dressed. What should you wear as a Christian? Well, you should wear the new self. 
What should you not wear? Well, you shouldn't wear the old self. By the way, that was two fashion tips right there. Probably didn't expect to hear fashion tips from me, and I understand why. Third fashion tip, the time will soon come when you won't be able to dress yourself. So, um, was blessed to be able to visit my dad a little bit yesterday. Uh, he's, um, he's been in the hospital, and he's uh, got out of the hospital now, and, and he's in <coughs> rehab. And he was wearing a shirt I hadn't seen him wear before. And so I asked him about the shirt, and he's, um, he's not quite as alert as he has been. And he wasn't really familiar with the, the shirt he was wearing, but I noticed that it was a pullover, and it was a long sleeve, and uh, it didn't have buttons on it. And my mom explained to me that uh, if we put him in a button-up shirt, or a shirt with buttons, he just spends the entire day trying to button and unbutton the shirt. The time will come, and it may be sooner than you think, when you won't be dressing yourself. It reminds me of the passage of Scripture where Jesus tells Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Fashion tips from Jesus. The time's coming when you won't be dressing yourself. So the fourth fashion tip is this. You've been given a gift. You've been given the opportunity to choose what you're going to wear. And I'm not just talking about physically what you're going to wear. I remember the first time in my life when I really came to grips with possibly wearing more than one change of clothes on the same day, which was a concept foreign to me, still is. But I went to Pensacola, started college there, and a hurricane had just come through. We got there in the wake of the hurricane. My dad drove me down there in our blue Volkswagen bug. Had a good trip. Went out to the beach, watched the breakers, the huge breakers coming in. And then he left me to get started in college. And the humidity was terrible. I would get ready for the day, walk out, and I promise you within five minutes, of walking out into that heat and humidity, I said, man, I gotta go take a shower. This is crazy. You may have figured out, I don't think much about what I wear physically. I also don't think much about what I wear spiritually. But Paul tells me I need to put on some things. I need to put on some clothes. I need to put on, well, I need to gird myself in a gentleness gown. I need to keep wearing my khaki kindness. I need to clothe myself in a compassionate coat. I need to put on my patience parka. And I need to help myself by wearing my humility hat, help myself and others. And I was thinking about the compassionate coat and I thought, man, that's good because they both begin with C. But the problem with a coat sometimes is that you can take it off too easily. Maybe I need to come up with a compassionate shirt, put that on, keep it on all day. What clothes are you wearing? When you are in your closet and you're choosing what you're going to wear today, 
Think beyond the physical aspects of what you're going to put on. And think about clothing yourself with gentleness, with compassion, with humility, with patience, with kindness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul tells us to get dressed. In verse 13, he says, give forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You know, in this passage of Scripture, Paul is telling you that I know it's going to be hard for you to get along with each other. He says, if one has a complaint against one another, that if there is almost an assumption that you're going to have complaints against one another. There will be complaints against church members. But that's okay. Just forgive. You must forgive one another. The words are right there. You also must forgive. If you had a meter on your heart and it measured your forgiveness, where would you be on a scale of one to 10? Oh, in case you need a little rationale, in case you need a little motivation to forgive, just remember this, the Lord forgave you. And oh, by the way, he gave, forgave you far more than whatever that other Christian did to you. He forgave you far more because your sin sent his son to the cross. The Lord forgave you. You didn't deserve this. Hey, the, the Christian who has wronged you may not deserve it either. Probably doesn't. Doesn't matter. Forgive anyway. This is the gold standard. If your forgiveness is as good as God's forgiveness of you, then you've hit the standard. Then you're 10 on the meter. And he says it three times in this little verse. He says, forgiving each other once. As the Lord forgave you twice. So you also must forgive three times. Just to make sure you got it. Three times. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Verse 14. Get dressed. Forgive each other. Love. Love unites in perfect harmony. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We've talked about gentleness. We've talked about patience. We've talked about compassion. We've talked about all these things, but make sure you put on love. Above all, put on love. Love is above all. Love binds together in perfect harmony. Last week, Amanda sang and it was beautiful and then Lisa sang in harmony and it took that beauty just to another another level that's what love does love binds together in perfect harmony I love the fact that he uses the word harmony here we were singing here how great thou art and I was thinking about harmony I was just trying to sing some harmony I was thinking harmony the beautiful thing about harmony is that To be truly effective, the harmonious line must not overtake the main line. It has to complement. I was also thinking that the beautiful thing about harmony is that it comes alongside. It's not trying to be first. It's trying to aid the first line of song. And I was thinking about harmony and how beautiful it is and how there has to be more than one strand for harmony to actually work. Love binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
Love brings compassion, gentleness, forgiveness, humility, meekness. It wraps them all up together like a beautiful red bow. That's love. Above all, if you're going to wear one thing, wear love. Verse 15, peace. Peace should rule your hearts. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. We talk about love uniting us in perfect harmony as one body. Paul now says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You notice he says, let. You see, you have a choice. You can say, no, I don't want any of that peace. Now, I prefer my turbulent state. I prefer my irritation. I enjoy my aggravation. Paul says, let it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you are indeed called. You're called to this peace. And then he says, and be thankful. Jess was talking in Sunday school this morning about how ungrateful we are as a people. We of all people. And Christians, are you thankful? Verse 16, the word should dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Every Sunday, you're going to see all of that happen here at Blackman Baptist Church. Every Wednesday when we have Awana, you're going to see all of that happen here. You're going to have teaching. You're going to have admonishing. You're going to have singing. The word can change your life if you will let it. Just like peace, where Paul says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word will change your life if you let it. Last Sunday, I was talking with Sailor, and she said, you know, sometimes I have trouble remembering to get my Bible reading in every morning, but I've come up with a new idea. She said, I'm going to make sure that I read the Bible first before I read anything else that day. And I said, Sailor, you have hit it. Because if you will do that, it will be so much easier to get into the habit of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And in verse 17, do everything in the name of the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything three times. Paul's making sure he's got his bases covered here. Whatever you do, once. Word or deed, twice. Do everything. Everything we are supposed to do, we're supposed to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this is not just some magic phrase that we utter to make sure that all of our bases are covered. This is the intrinsic interior motivation of everything a Christian should do. Everything should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. And while we're doing this, we should be giving thanks. What to do, how to do it. This is how you do it, Christian. You do everything in word or deed in the name of our Lord Jesus. Everything. This should be your motivation, is it? Is this what drives you to do the work of the Lord? Is this what drives you into ministry? 
Should be. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Colossians 3. What an amazing, amazing passage. You tell us what to do, Lord, but not only do you just tell us what to do, you tell us how we should do it. You give us the underlying motivation behind it all. What should drive us as Christians? Not our pride, not our ego, not our sense of accomplishment, not our sense of satisfaction, not our comfort, not our traditions. None of that should drive us. What should drive us is to do everything in word or deed, everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we should be thankful while we're doing it. Because this is a tremendous charge. Not only to do the work of the Lord, but to do it for the right reasons. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us in everything we do to do all for your glory and honor. Not our own, yours, and yours alone. And so we pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as it was commanded. Amen. Will you stand as we have this time of invitation? If you need to make a decision, the altar is open. We welcome you.